Hello, I'm Helga Edwards, and I'm here with my husband, Bob. This is the third episode in our podcast series entitled, The Bible Message Without Patriarchy. Today, I'd like to begin by reading Genesis chapter 1 from an English translation that does not include a patriarchal bias against women in this passage about the creation of the world. So beginning at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was without shape and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep. But the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, so God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning, marking the first day. God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. It was so. God called the expanse sky. There was evening and there was morning, a second day. God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. It was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. God said, Let the land produce vegetation, plants yielding seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. It was so. The land produced vegetation, plants yielding seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds. God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning, a third day. God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be signs to indicate seasons and days and years and let them serve as lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. It was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day, and the lesser light to rule over the night. He made the stars also. God placed the lights in the expanse of the sky to shine on the earth, to preside over the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. There was evening, and there was morning, a fourth day. God said, Let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. God created the great sea creatures, and every living and moving thing with which the water swarmed, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. There was evening, and there was morning, a fifth day. God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, cattle, creeping things, and wild animals, each according to its kind. It was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the cattle according to their kinds, and all the creatures 
that creep along the ground according to their kinds. God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, after our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move on the earth. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I now give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the entire earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the animals of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. It was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. There was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. This English version of the Bible that I just read from is called the NET, the New English Translation. It accurately translates the Hebrew word ha-adam, found in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, as humankind. The Greek Septuagint Bible, written by 70 Jewish scholars during the 3rd and 2nd centuries BC, similarly uses the word anthropos. This is the Greek word for human being or humankind. The Greek word for a specifically male human being was aner. In fact, the Hebrew text of the Genesis story does not begin to use gendered language for the man or the woman until Genesis 2 verse 23, after the first human being, ha-adam, had been put to sleep and divided into two persons, the male ish and the female isha. We'll discuss this further in a future podcast that focuses on Genesis chapter 2. Unfortunately, not all English translations handle the oldest available manuscripts of this passage accurately. Some, like the English Standard Version, or ESV, use the androcentric English term man instead of the clearly gender-neutral word humankind in both Genesis 1.26 and 1.27. When a translation is androcentric, it means that it views the biblical text from a primarily male point of view. In other words, it is man-centered. It's not surprising that some translations are androcentric, since women were not allowed to participate in the translation process. In the ESV, Genesis 1, and 27 read as follows. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. When the NET and many other English translations of the Bible accurately refer to Ha Adam 
as humankind, why would the ESV insist on using androcentric terminology? Comments regarding the literary ESV made by the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, or CBMW, may give us a clue. On October 8, 2007, the CBMW published the following endorsement of the literary ESV. The new ESV takes an unapologetically biblical stance on God's gracious plan regarding the complementary roles of men and women. On the face of it, this endorsement could sound rather benign. Understanding what the CBMW means when they say that complementary roles are biblical, however, begins to help us detect a significant bias. Writing in the spring 2012 edition of the Journal for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, Owen Strachan, former president of the CBMW, explained what is meant by the expression complementary roles. Strachan wrote, For millennia, followers of God have practiced what used to be called patriarchy and is now called complementarianism. Patriarchy, according to the Oxford Living Dictionary, refers to a system of society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it. In other words, the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood unapologetically believes that men should hold positions of authority and that women should largely be excluded from them. The CBMW endorsement of the literary ESV praises its editors, a father and son team, for embracing the same patriarchal worldview. When a Bible translation uses androcentric language, a patriarchal worldview only appears to be biblical. If we are willing to take the time to examine the Bible in its original languages and contexts, however, this illusion begins to disappear. Unfortunately, prominent theologians in the 4th century AD also viewed Genesis chapter 1 through androcentric and patriarchal lenses. The translation and commentary work of these men strongly influenced the rise of patriarchal theology in the church. One of these men was St. Augustine, the Bishop of Hippo. In his commentary entitled On the Trinity, he explained, The woman herself alone, then, she is not the image of God, but as regards the man alone, he is the image of God. And that's Book 12, Chapter 7, and Paragraph 10 of St. Augustine's On the Trinity. Is this what we read in Hebrew and Greek manuscripts of Genesis chapter 1, or in accurate English translations of this passage? Far from it. In fact, we read the exact opposite of what men like St. Augustine have claimed. God created a beautiful world, heavens and the earth, sun, moon, and stars, water and land, plants, animals, and finally humankind. Human beings, both male and female, are given the distinction of being created in the image of God, and both are equally given dominion over the rest of God's creation. We are given a wondrous gift, the gift of life, and a beautiful world to live in as an expression of God's love. In God's loving creation, as depicted in Genesis chapter 1, there is no hierarchy of the sexes. Women are not an afterthought or some secondary creation to the male. There's only the wonder of God's work, crowned with the creation of humankind. 
we're told that when God looked upon the results of his creative work, he concluded that it was very good. What was very good? Male and female, created in God's image, sharing dominion over God's creation, together as equals. <laughs>